for listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. We're going to give you an update on the Kansas City team celebration shooting that happened at the parade. There is a good update to come from it. We're also going to talk about Travis Kelsey because a lot of you have asked me in regards to what he did at the Super Bowl and what I thought what he, you know, what I thought he did and my opinions on it. And Travis, you know, I was going to talk about it yesterday. I think I actually mentioned it in the open, then I just never got around to it. So I'm going to talk about that today. The college football 12-team playoff is starting to take shape. Obviously not the teams, but they're meeting on Tuesday, and it looks like there's going to be definitely a change to the system, and we're just going to talk about the 12-team playoff in general. And the four words that most baseball fans get really excited about hearing when it's really kind of a whole bunch of nothing, pitchers and catchers reported. We'll get to all that momentarily. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops, throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path in the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. The game starts here. Okay, let's start first with an update from what is the latest from the Kansas City Chiefs parade celebration shooting. As of me recording this on Thursday night, they said there's only three people left in the hospital. So that's a great, great news to hear, right? I mean, we were looking at yesterday when I recorded, or when you heard me in yesterday's podcast, I had recorded Wednesday night, and they were saying, there was eight immediate life-threatening injuries and seven life-threatening injuries. And now they're saying only three people are left in the hospital out of, you know, 22 people were shot, one was dead, so 21 people had to go to the hospital. There's only three left. So that's really, really good news. And I think the other good news that we got, I mean, any shooting is tragic, but it's looking like this was not somebody that was deranged and mentally ill that decided I want to go shoot up a parade. It looks like this was a disturbance, a disagreement that broke out into a fight. Somebody had a gun on them because when you think about it, there were a million people at that parade, a million. (laughs) That is crazy. So there were a million people at that parade and someone had a gun and was firing and only one person, you know, one is, you know, one is one more than it should be at a parade celebrating your team. But you would think if somebody went to that parade with a mission to shoot a bunch of people, they would have been able to shoot more than one person. So it does lend some credibility to the fact that maybe this was a fight that broke out, which is what they're seemingly saying. They took three guys into custody. One of them has already been released, but the other two I think are juveniles, so they have not released their names. We still don't know a motive, but they are saying it looks like it was a disagreement and a fight that broke out somewhere in the crowd, and that's why. And like I said, it it that does kind of make sense because – With a million people there, if someone went there with an agenda, they easily could have accomplished that agenda. 
I mean, that is a crowded area, a bunch of people just standing next to each other. So if there's anything good to come out of it that, hey, this is what, you know, this is what it was. And it's not somebody that just decided I want to ruin parade day where people should be safe. But we've talked about this. Like, you know, it's it, just the fact that it was a parade. And, and I don't know if that changes anything going forward. You know, my stance yesterday, I'm just like, we should just end these parades. They don't even need to happen. And after what happened in Kansas City, I can see every city making it a city-by-city city decision. And not, everybody, and not every city that wins a championship is going to want to do this. Because... You can amp up all the police work that you want. You can amp up, oh, we're going to have the most police officers ever in the history of a parade. It doesn't matter, you know. If you get 2,000 cops there, how are 2,000 cops going to hold down a million people if somebody wanted to go there with an agenda? So um, that that was probably even, you know, just as good a news, the fact that, and the fact that, you know, nobody else has died yet. And it looks like, only three people are left in the hospital. So good news coming out of Kansas City. The other Kansas City topic that someone brought up to me, and I'll read you the email that they sent to me. And I was going to talk about this yesterday. If you go listen to the open of yesterday's show, I did mention maybe we'll get to Travis Kelsey. I just never did. I said, hey, Steve, I listened to the Daily Roundup. Unless I missed it, I don't think I've heard your take on the whole Travis shoving his coach in the Super Bowl. I even half listened to the Sports Daily for Monday and didn't hear it. Just curious if you get 30 seconds to mention it. Lots of conflicting stuff out there from it's fine to he needs to be dumped right away. This is the sort of thing you normally cover when it's making headlines, so I'm sure you have an opinion. Yeah, I do. I just, for two days, I covered Super Bowl, and I thought there were other topics to cover other than that. And then yesterday, I just, uh, the last couple of days, I just forgot to do it. Um, I, I will say this. And look, Travis, on his podcast with his brother, said, I crossed the line. I should not have done that. I should not have bumped my coach. And it was, the yelling was excessive. But he has said he has since apologized. They're all good. Big Red is what he calls Andy Reid, is his guy. If Red retired tomorrow, Travis is retiring tomorrow. He's like, this guy will always be my coach. We hashed it out. It's good. But I made a mistake. I should not have gotten in his face. I should not have yelled the way I did. I should have been able to handle my emotions better in that moment. You know, it was tough. I wasn't playing well. The team wasn't playing well. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was right after, it was right after Isaiah Pacheco fumbled inside the 10-yard line. And they were down, you know, and they had been down, they were either down 7 or 10 nothing at that point. And they were going in to score and could have made it closer. And then you're just like, oh, wow, now we haven't scored again. So, you know, no excuse, but I'm just saying that's why his emotions were high because the team had just turned the ball over. They hadn't scored. They were down double digits, I believe, and he wasn't playing well. You know, he had one catch at halftime for one yard. So people get frustrated. We've seen it all the time. You look on Instagram, you look at NFL.com. I mean, the amount of times teammates yell at other teammates. Um, we have seen teammates, uh, we have seen players yell at coaches, but yeah, he did cross the line. Um, yelling at Andy Reid. But when somebody does something like this, what do you want to hear? Do we want to hear him take accountability or do we want to hear him say, that wasn't a big deal. Why is everybody overreacting? It's football. He didn't say that. He took accountability and he owned it, said I shouldn't have done it. Bad look. So I, that's all you can ask from these guys, you know? What, what else do I want him to do? I mean, he can't go back and change what he did. 
I think the other thing is people now relating this to his relationship. I think that's just completely off base. He yells at his coach, so that means he's going to yell at Taylor. Like I, I think that's you're making a reach, and you know Taylor should dump him because of this. No, she can. She has her own brain. She can make up her own mind. If this outburst on the sideline is something that Taylor was really bothered by, then that's her decision to make. But the public's decision to make to tell her she should leave him because he's going to be violent or he's going to be verbally abusive. I mean, that's just, it's such a leap to make because I think I wrote this in my reader emails. Then you might as well say that every single NFL player is going to be verbally abusive because all of them get fired up and yell and yell at teammates and get in spats with teammates. At least, you know, the good ones. I'm not talking about the last guy on the bench. Tom Brady was notorious for absolutely jawing down his offensive line or his receivers. Ever seen the clip online of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday going at it where they're just F-bombing each other <laughs> over calling the plays? Like, these guys yell at each other, and then by the end of the game, they're fine. And I think a lot of the sentiment coming from this is people who never played sports and even people who played sports, you know, we're talking about the highest level. We're talking about the number one watched television show in all of America, the Super Bowl. No show has ever had more eyeballs on it than that game did. And then the magnitude of the game is it's the Super Bowl. So I I understand where emotions can get carried away, but not necessarily on the coach. And he's owned it. So I guess we just move on from there. And I'm, I'm glad he did. I, I'm actually glad because I didn't know if he was going to be like, hey, man, it's football, emotions run high, things happen, coach and I are good. That wouldn't have been a good enough answer for me. I wanted to hear him say, while that is true, football, game of emotions, emotions runs high, sometimes I lose my emotions. I'm glad he said, but I never should have done that. That was a bad look on my part. I never should have taken it that far. So for that, I, I, I applaud him for. Now, once again, apologies are just words. If you continue with the same behavior, then your apology means nothing. Granted, we are another four months or six months away from even seeing if he's going to change his behavior, and that happens again. I, I highly doubt that happens again. I'm sure he'll be fired up during a game, maybe get a sideline spat with somebody in terms of you know verbally going at each other, but... As long as he doesn't do that again with his head coach, I, I think it's fine. And I think we cannot, I think comparing it to something that's going to happen now in his relationship, I think is apples and oranges. This upcoming Tuesday, the College Football Playoff Committee is going to meet here in Dallas to go over the 12-team playoff that starts in the 2024 season. The one thing that we know is pretty much going to get changed because when they first announced this, this was going to be six conference champions and six at-large teams. Well, since that announcement, the Pac-12 has dissolved. It's only got two teams in it. So you're not going to give an automatic bid to a conference that has two teams because they don't even play a conference championship and they don't have more than one conference game, even though the Pac-2 which is who? Oregon State and Washington State. They're basically going to join the Mountain West, or the Mountain West is going to join them eventually. But they're playing, I think, seven teams in the Mountain West. They're playing each other and then four non-conference games. That's their 12. But with no Pac-12 conference anymore, 
what's going to be adopted on Tuesday is the five and seven model, which is five conference champions and seven at-large teams. Your five conference champions will be SEC winner, the ACC winner, the Big 12 winner, and the Big 10 winner. Those are going to be four automatic bids. And then the conference champion from the group of five with the highest ranking is going to be the fifth automatic bid. And then seven at-larges after that. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that the group of five winner is going to be the five seed. It just means the highest seed in the group of five is an automatic bid. They could end up being the 12th seed. You know, what if an upset happens and a nine and three team is the best group of five? Probably not going to happen because there's a lot of group of fives out there, but you, you just never know. Just doesn't, what I'm saying is they're not going to necessarily be the five seed. You can pretty much pencil in that the winner of the ACC, SEC, Big 12, and Big 10 are going to be your first four seeds, and they draw buys on the first weekend. Now, what does this mean for Notre Dame? Notre Dame isn't in a conference. So basically, Notre Dame is never going to get a first-round buy until they join a conference under this model. This is going to be the model for the next two years, and then they renegotiate. But if you saw over the weekend, oh, by the way, ESPN ABC is basically going to be televising all these games. They bought the rights to the playoffs. They're paying $1.3 billion per season for, I believe, a six-year or eight-year contract. Two years left on the current deal, and then they think they're adding six more. $1.3 billion per year ESPN is paying college football. Man, it's almost going to be better to stay in college football now rather than jump to the NFL. <clears throat> You're going to make so much more money. Uh, these teams are going to have so much more money available to them just by that deal alone. So if in case you forgot, those Power 5 conference teams, the four, ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, they're going to be your top four seeds and – their seedings will be determined by the College Football Playoff Committee, one, two, three, and four. They have a first-round bye. So five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, eight plays nine. That five doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the group of five winner with the highest ranking. That, that team could fall in the eighth seed. We won't know until next year. But it's probably going to be somebody from the Mountain West, the MAC, the AAC, probably going to be from there i would think because those are probably the three best conferences outside of the power five ones those first round games are going to be whether i think they're called knockout games they're going to be on the home field of the lower seed so the five six seven and eight will host those games one game is going to be on a friday in the first round the, next, the other three games are going to be the next day on Saturday. So then after that, you're going to have four winners moving on to play the top four seeds. I don't think they're reseeding. So you'll have your top four. You'll have um, all those games, and then they play the top four seeds. And now you're in the quarterfinals. And the same thing happens the following week. One game's going to be, I believe, on fr one game Friday. Three games Saturday, and then your quarterfinal, and then your, and then you're going to be down to two teams, and your semifinals are going to be on New Year's Day. 
Or is that the I think the quarters are on New Year's Day now that I think about it. It's either the quarters on New Year's Day and then the semifinals the next week. But just know that the national championship game next year is like almost end of January. The season's going to be even longer now. That's why I said when you talked about this during college football bowl season this year, I said we got to just move it up a week. They're not going to listen to me, though. But that's the way it should be. There's still going to be three weeks off from the time the conference championships are played until those first-round games. And that's just a lot of time. No other sport takes three weeks off to play their first playoff game. Some don't even take three days. Like, it's just it's why college football is, while I love the sport to death, it's got so many holes in it, and it's got to be fixed. But I still think we are headed for mass chaos in college football in terms of conferences. I think it's this is going to end up being probably a two conference league in college football with the ba- with the major schools, you know. But that's what we're looking at. We'll know more uh, come on come Tuesday. They might change it up in terms of how they want to do the seating. How the, is it going to be? Thursday night, can they move it up a week? We'll see, but they meet Tuesday, and we should have our answers by next Wednesday, by that day, and then uh, on Wednesday next week we can talk about it. But I, I really think, I know a lot of people hate change. I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, when we had sports writers determining our national champion in college football, people were up in arms, like, I can't believe this. We would have sometimes co-national champions because they could never play on the field. Just think about that. Just think if that happened in 2024. People would lose their fucking mind. So we had that, and we're like, no, we need to go to the BCS, which is a combination of the sports writers, but then we're going to take these polls, and we're going to look at strength of schedule, and we're going to spit out a number, and those are the teams that are going to play for the title. Two teams. The top two teams in the BCS will play for the title based on a combination of, it was just the nerds going crazy. Then they said, screw that. We can't have a computer determining our national championship game. We got to play it on the field. We're going to go to a four-team playoff, which at the time was like, great. We've had a four-team playoff for 10 years. Started in 2014. This was the last year of it. Now, some people think 12 is too much and it should have gone to eight. I'm fine with 12 because I don't think people are going to be bitching that the 13th team didn't get in. You know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, your winner of the national championship in college football with a 12-team playoff is still probably coming from a Power 5 conference. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be one of the top four seeds, but, you know, it just allows it just allows you to lose a game early in the season and not be completely knocked out. Or, or the same thing, like lose one, maybe even lose two but your team got better throughout the rest of the season. And let's say you started one and two, but then won nine in a row and then won your conference championship. You're rolling, you know, but you have two losses. You wouldn't have made the playoff in a 14 playoff. So I like it. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Just the fact that they're going to play the knockout games, the first round games in the home stadium of the lower seeded team, I think is going to be great. Those fans are bases going to be so riled up. It's going to be awesome. I love it. And then everything else moves to the bowls after that. And finally, let's end with this. A lot of people get excited over these four words. I don't, but pitchers and catchers reported. What does that mean? Well, everybody's pitchers and catchers in Major League Baseball have arrived at spring training. And they are in T-shirts throwing lob tosses to a catcher down the right field uh, down the right field line 
That's what that's what pitchers and catchers reporting means. Oh yeah, and they're doing drills. Hey, we're gonna bunt to the pitcher. And I know those are fundamentals and teams need to do that, but that's why I can't get excited over pitchers and catchers reporting, because nothing really happens. Hell, I don't even watch spring training baseball. I don't care about spring training baseball. And if you're if I'm being honest with you, I don't really care about baseball till after the all-star break anyway. I'll watch a game here and there, but I just don't get interested and invested in it other than my fantasy team. I, I watch for statistics, but I'm not sitting down and just knocking out baseball game every night of the week since it's on every night of the week for the most part. It's just it's just not me. I get interested well into the season. I'll look at storylines, and we'll talk baseball on certain days when something happens, but for the most part, from April through July, it's just a kind of a slog, you know? It really is. I'm going to end you here with this, though. One of my statistics that I know you love from me. It's a baseball one. The most consecutive playoff appearances without reaching the World Series. So who has made the most playoffs in a row? Not necessarily in a, you know, consecutive years, but has made the playoffs but has not taken home a World Series title. Well, Right now, we're looking at the Oakland A's. Probably not making the World Series this year or even the playoffs, but the last 12 times they've gone to the playoffs, they have not reached the World Series. I'm not talking about winning. Obviously, we're talking about reaching the World Series. Twelve Last 12 times they made the playoffs, they have not been able to make it to the World Series. They're tied with the, Bra- you know, they're tied with the Braves. Now, the A's are active. The Braves had a 12 uh, consecutive playoff appearance streak that ended when they beat the Houston Astros in the World Series. But the Yankees also have an active streak as well. The last 10 times the Yankees have made the playoffs, they have not made the World Series. They didn't make the playoffs last year, but between 2010 and 2022, they made it 10 times and never made it to the World Series. So that is some absolute craziness. Yankees. Can you believe that? Ten times in a row. Or not ten times in a row. Ten times. The last ten times they made the playoffs. Couldn't make the World Series. And some of those times, they had a first-round bye. I mean, they literally needed to win two series, and they were in the World Series, and they haven't been able to do it. Craziness. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. And as I've been mentioning, please hit play. It's very, very important you hit play because they don't just count it being downloaded into your feed as a download anymore. You got to hit play. This podcast also brought to you by Bet Online. Tell your friends, tell your mistresses, tell everybody about the Daily Roundup. Excuse me, the Sports Daily and the Daily Roundup too, if you want to do that. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.